Welcome to the Texans! And again, watching his skates. Over the middle, it's cut. Akins and the tight end rumbles in for the touchdown. Here's Watson now. Blockers in front. Lowers the shoulder and in. So welcome into another edition of the Turn Up For What podcast. I was just joined by a record number of guests this week as we're going to talk the Sacks Tracks article that we've released on podcasttexans.com. This was taking the most overused stat in the game and applying that to try and understand where the flaws in this Texans offense, its offensive line and its quarterback lie. We're joined by three guests this week. I'm making, I believe, his fifth appearance. I think it is young Ari Gold. From the Texas Unfiltered, how you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me on again. I, I like, I love coming on here. I feel, I feel like there's no pressure for me. I can just come on here and talk Texans with you, and uh, it's always a fun conversation. So thank you. Oh, that's good. I mean, that's what it's all about, I think. And uh, as your Texans Unfiltered team continues to grow, uh, we've got at Texans Thoughts. You'll know from Twitter, probably the biggest tape grinder out there. Uh, Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for the kind words. Thank you for having me on. Excited for first time and hopefully more. You never know. Um, yeah, excited to talk Texans. And making he's also his first appearance on the podcast as well. Uh, we're talking to Ruben from the 713 Sportscast. If you're getting your Texans uh, content from YouTube, Ruben, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. And just like Jordan, you know, hopefully this isn't the last time. No, excellent. No, I'm delighted you could all spend some time in the off-season. I think right now we're, what, 14 weeks away from the Thursday night opener in Kansas City, 10 weeks away from the uh, the start of the preseason, whatever kind of form that might take. As we believe coaches are back in the building this week. Uh, I saw that come through uh, as a report from Ian Rappaport. Um, there's a lot of kind of stuff going on in the world right now. Uh, many things, uh, particularly in America, um, probably on topics that I'm definitely not qualified to speak about. Uh, but I think Bill O'Brien did a great job talking about coaches, putting some, uh, the, not only the, the organisation, uh, but also his players in a good light, um, talking about Kenny Stills and all the good work that these guys do and probably goes unnoticed a lot of the time. So Bill O'Brien, I think, was uh, did a great job in front of the media yesterday. Um, first bit of news that's come out in the last uh, couple, of, couple of days um, is the news that Timmy Jernigan agreed a deal in principle with the Texans uh, slightly later in the free agency process. Uh, now, it looks like he's not going to be signing. It's still not officially confirmed, but neither was the signing ever officially declared by the team or counted against its salary cap number. Um, any surprises on that one? Um, I wouldn't say surprises. Um, you know, I think uh, given the times, um, you know, with COVID-19 and uh, the ability, you know, the inability to be able to grab you know, get people um, on site and, uh, you know, go through the proper channels to pass a physical and things of that nature. I think it's giving teams more time to really evaluate uh, the free agents brought in and their, their draft. Um, and I think decisions are just being made where they see that there's other avenues and, and routes they can go to address particular needs. And I think Timmy Jernigan just happened to be one of those guys that they looked at and said, you know, Maybe it was Ross Blacklock, you know, maybe, you know, there's other moves to be potentially made, but I think that they looked at the roster and thought 
this money could be used somewhere else. They could also just be saving cap, uh, especially if there is a reduction in $30 million in cap next year with stadiums only being able to be at 25% capacity. Maybe they're going to roll over that $20 million, so it's not as much of a hit on our salary cap next year. Yeah, for yeah. me, sorry, for me, I think it would have been surprising if it happened a little bit earlier, like sooner to when the contract was um, verbally agreed to. Like if it happened, if they like, if they canceled it like a week or two after, I think that would have been really surprising. But because the longer and longer that it went on and the deeper we went into the offseason, I think everyone kind of sort of got a sense like, oh, what's happening with the journey and signing? Like, did he pass the physical? Like what's happening? They started questioning it. And so it became less of a shock for me that it didn't work out. And like James said, like, I think there's going to be other avenues that we go into, some other defensive line help. Um, so I'm not, I'm not like too down on it. I think they'll, they'll figure out a good plan B. Yeah, Ruben, you think I saw you put out a video there about um, about potential some moves coming. Uh, James touched on it, and often a lot of the times there is another move coming that follows the first one. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, so when I. Uh... I got the news. I was like, well, clearly they have uh, somebody else in mind. Um, I wasn't shocked that, uh, that he wasn't signed. I was because, you know, just like uh, Jordan talked about the, uh, how long it took. But um, I uh, personally feel like that there is something else uh, on the horizon. I mean, I talked about Everson Griffin. I talked about Snacks Harrison. I talked about Jadavion Clowney. Um, so, honestly, we're just waiting to see what the Houston Texans will do uh, in that situation. Yeah, and I think the, the point that James makes about the salary cap in the report, I think it was in Athletic this week uh, from Michael Lombardi talking about the potential that the teams could have a hit of up to $30 million, uh, next year when you're trying to extend your franchise pass. It's not going to be easy, so it's something to watch. I don't know how necessarily splash, splashy they'll be um, in, terms of, in terms of another signing, but... Uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. It does give him a bit of flexibility as well. Obviously, the last week as well, um, and probably actually a welcome move for some of the rhetoric out there and some of the fan base about Zach Fulton and his future. They reworked some of his contract. Had 14 million in non-guaranteed over the last two years. They've reworked that to give him five million in this year, guaranteed for over reduced cap hit. So the team are making moves um, to see. So as we said, 10 weeks away um, and 14 weeks away from some. Some live action, so hopefully as teams got, hopefully we get back in the building and we can start assessing what this team looks like and the coaches, coaches can. Um, but anyway, we'll move on to the, the yeah the idea of today's podcast and um, released a number of articles. Now two out of the, the series of three will be releasing the final one next week on the system. But today the idea was to try and talk around uh, some of the some some of the parts of you know much much discussed and this will be the first ever time in O'Brien the offensive line is going to be returning in its fullest um, and I think the first time since uh, 2011 I think starters versus starters so coming back to the next year continuity and particularly with the way O'Brien and and his times often press the reset button so that was how the idea came about that you know this was a bit of continuity that actually could fly under the radar but be big for this team so the 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 project kind of took where i took every single sack from from the off season uh from over the 2019 season rather and uh, 55 of those were on watson um to better understand the line the quarterback in the system um so took every play probably went through at least five or six times to try and understand the nuances of the of the um of the team and i think starting with the offensive line guys um 
I think really the biggest thing, uh, which I probably didn't appreciate fully, um, was that actually they assumed five starters for next season that everybody's talking about. Hardly played a, at all together. Only nine consecutive quarters of football um, before Titus Howard went out of the team and came back and then went back out again. Um, wasn't really something I'd appreciate, but he, firstly, do you see these guys being the first five, first choice talent on the roster? Um, and secondly, uh, you know, what, what, what sort of upside can you see with these guys playing all, you know, so, so the vast majority of the season together up front? Yeah, so I think uh, for me, um, you know, I, you and I have talked about this in millions of times, so you you know exactly where I stand. But um, I think this this returning of the five offensive linemen is probably one of the more important parts of this of this off season. Um, you know, there were rumors of Warford, you know, and then that would potentially replace Fulton. Uh, and I understand the uh, the issues that people do have with Fulton. Um, you know, he definitely isn't the best right guard, uh, but he just isn't a liability. And I guess for me, when I look at Fulton and what he did last year, lining up to next to Roger Johnson and Chris Clark, basically, you know, alternating those every series, sometimes it would be different snaps. You know, I, you have to ask yourself, how good can Fulton really be considering what he had to deal with at right tackle? So um, I kind of look at last year's Fulton's performances and, and really just kind of chalk it up to that. Um, when you look at bringing, you know, Titus Howard back, he had a solid rookie year. Definitely had some missteps, had some times where uh, he was lost on the field, but I think he showed more upside and potential than really um, a reason to be concerned. Uh, Nick Martin had hands down his best season uh, as a Texan. Uh, that check that he was given uh, the day of the Saints game motivated him to perform at a level that I honestly didn't even expect to be possible. And he was my biggest concern coming into the season last year. Then you look at Max Sharping, who just surprised everybody and was just a hell of a guard for this team. And then obviously the additional Laramie Tunsil. I just think that the continuity for the offensive line and you know just understanding the position and how important it is to have from a communication aspect – um, and, and then just understanding of the scheme and protections, uh, I think it's just crucial to have all five of them back. And, you know, we saw a pretty significant increase uh, in performance and production last year from this line, and we were missing our key right tackle for, you know, half of the season. So um, I'm excited about this five. I've, I've been on, you know, record to say that I think this is the best move for this team. And um, I think it's going to pay dividends. And I, I, I just think that we're going to see so much more from them as they continue to build the continuity. Yeah, for me, I think it's, we've never seen it like in the Bill, Bill O'Brien era, like you guys have talked about. And it goes a long way because a lot of the worst, a lot of the sacks that, at least from what I saw, it came from miscommunications on stunts, blitz pickups, stuff like that. And that's only going to get better as the O-line has time to mesh and Deshaun has time to mesh with the O-line as well. And so I think from a talent standpoint, could we have had a different upgrade from Zach Fulton? Possibly. Maybe a guy like Larry Warford or some of the other free agents earlier in free agency. But at the end of the day, you can't put a price on chemistry. And it's not like Fulton is some liability on every play where he's getting beaten up. He's not a Chris Clark. Um, he's not like that. And he brings his own talents. And so, yeah, like James said, I'm really excited about Max Sharping and the development of, of Titus Howard too. If he can remain healthy, I think we're going to have probably the top tackle duo in the league with him and Laramie Tunsil. So I'm really excited to see what this offensive line has become. It's become it's 
transition from obviously the weak point in our on our team as a whole into honestly one of our strengths now. So I'm really excited to see it. And, you know, um, as far as for me, I am very high on this offensive line. I have gone as far in saying this offensive line will be a top 10. You know, James and uh, Jordan really uh, just hit the nail on the hammer, you know, with chemistry. You know, when you look at the great team sports like hockey, basketball, volleyball, you know, chemistry is what makes those teams great. And then when you have chemistry along the offensive line, they get better. You know, like Jordan said, a lot of sacks were, were due to miscommunication. And, you know, that all goes away with the continue to play together and know each other. You know, we have to we have to uh, not forget that this is Lermit Tunsil's first, you know, season with with the Houston Texans. First offseason, you know, real offseason with the Houston Texans. Um, Max Sharpen really impressed me. Uh, Nick Martin was somebody who I said that had the most underrated season for the Houston Texans. You know, like uh, James said, a lot of people were very, you know, uh, not happy with the contract he got. But he really played very good. Uh, Zach Fulton, I've been, uh, you know, one person to criticize Zach Fulton. But, you know, he's going to get better with, with more consistency. And Titus Howard was just phenomenal uh, last season as, as a right tackle. I'm really high with this Houston Texans offense. I fully expect them, expect them to take, you know, like the next the next step and become a very good offensive line. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I mean, taking the Zach Fulton examples, one thing that I picked up on was that they seem to be, throughout the season, if you look at week four against Carolina, they bring Greg Manson, gives up two sacks in the first quarter on back-to-back plays, both just manhandled by a linebacker and then a defensive line on, lineman on the second one. And then they seem to rotate him back in and they played the first half in Tampa Bay in week 16. Now, he got a concussion um, at the end of that week four game, so we never really saw um, Mance again for the rest of the year just due to health injury. So I thought that was in, an interesting uh, note on that because it seemed like the coaching staff were keen to get Mance back in um, and it certainly wasn't for a rotation um, or a benefit. Because interestingly, the, I was part of the, the, the sacks tracks that project going through at each play. 22 of the sacks were um, were against the offensive line just by getting manhandled and beaten um, at the line and collapse in the pocket. Now only three of those actually happened when um, when the when the starting five were out there, and it was interesting to see actually the gate the 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 stats of the team when that starting five were out there. They averaged six points more a game three and a half first downs and 80 yards more than the games when those starting five weren't in there. And I think a big, probably underrated storyline, um, and partly as well, I think people balked at the Charlie Heck pick, but actually the level and drop off of play at the right tackle spot and the and giving up the pressures um, on the C-gap um, was huge. Um, and Roderick Johnson, um, he came into the lineup had bad games, gave up sacks on key plays, uh, probably no more infamously than the one where Hopkins caught it in the end zone and it was ruled a sack um, in Indianapolis in week seven. But actually, if you take it, you take out the, the play from Rod Johnson and uh, and Chris Clark on the right side of this line, I think that's probably the biggest part that gives you gives you a, gives you a, a jump up because one of the, the the points that James touched on was when you've got the same when you can't really judge Fulton on the guys playing on the right of him, and that rotation didn't help anybody. But actually, when we had both our bookends on the line, the, the internal three guys did not didn't give up an A gap pressure in any of those games. Um, so it's re- it's a really big 
point of continuity and actually I think what I didn't probably realize quite as much before going through this tape, tape of is actually the, the benefit and the, the influence of you're only as good as the guy next to you and actually how true that actually is yeah I, I think uh, the casual fan just sees the sacks right and the casual fan doesn't really doesn't realize what all goes into it um, and you know when you're moving that right side often uh you're getting used to a different communication style you know you're getting used to different strengths and weaknesses uh you're having to account for those as the right guard uh missed assignments potentially especially with guys that don't play often aren't playing every snap and Roderick johnson and chris clark you know um all that just plays a part into it so when i look at fulton he isn't he isn't the greatest like i said he isn't but he also just like i said and this is the key word isn't a liability and if you look at the offensive line of all 32 teams, there's always a weak spot somewhere on the offensive line. But that weak spot is a lot of times um, not as much of a concern because of everybody else that's on the offensive line. You know, his communication with Dick Martin and his communication with Titus Howard, those two pieces are going to play a big part in his development and how he continues. He's also very young still. Um, you know, he, was, he wasn't a full-time starter before he came to us. You know, he played some games, didn't play some games. I think he played 14 games in Kansas City before he came over. So um, we're talking about a guy who really hasn't been given the opportunity to really play in a on an offensive line that can build continuity. And uh, while I don't think he's amazing, I do think he has the potential to be better. And uh, it's all going to come down to the right side. And I think as well, the, the, the key thing in, as, and the whole point of this project was that sacks were over overlooked her. But if you were to look at that on effectively is the, the ultimate fail of a play when your offense goes backwards caused by the defense. Zach Fulton only gave up one sack all season um, against Oakland in, in week eight. Um, and it was a bit of a failed uh, a failed play action play where the where the, the offense was motion the, the line was motioning to the left to, to give some misdirection um and and Deshaun rolling to the right. So it's interesting we talk about the starting five and uh do we see the the upside and a, the jump, the big they always talk about the jump from year one to year two. Do we see that with Sharping and Howard? And is there any concerns with Howard and his knee injury? I I personally think we do. I think definitely out of sharping because we saw him last year. He was already honestly like an average to above average guard. He was really great in pass protection in run game. His chemistry with Tunsil we saw was really great on double teams in particular. And so I think we're definitely going to see a jump out of sharping with Titus at all. It does depend on his knee injury, how quickly he can get back into football playing shape and get into camp whenever it does happen. Um, he's a guy who was raw out of college. We knew that he was going to be a bit of a devel dev developmental prospect, that he was going to take some time. And he looked better as a rookie than we thought, honestly. But I do think if he's healthy, if he has time to practice and get the chemistry going with Fulton in camp, we're going to see a big jump out of him too. Um, whenever he, When he was healthy, before he started get, to get those lingering issues, he was playing really well. And then it was towards the latter half of the season when he was playing through injuries and he, was, and he wanted to stay on the team and still contribute, that's when his play dropped off just a little bit. But I think there's two young guys who have a lot of potential, and we're definitely going to see a big jump out of them. Yeah, I completely agree as well. I think these two young, you know, these two young, uh, young players have all the potential in the world to be very good in the NFL. Um, you know, a guy who also we expect to get better, you know, is 
Laramie Tunsil. You know, I feel like he can still get better with this offensive line. Not only is he building chemistry with the whole offensive line, he is also building chemistry with with uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, I feel like Laramie Tunsil has barely scratched the season uh, with this Houston Texas offensive line. He could only get better. And Sharpen was just, you know, amazing. Uh, you know, uh, amazing because I didn't expect him to play this good. You, you should only expect him to get better. You know, and then again, it just comes down to consistency and uh, and, and just chemistry. When these guys keep on playing together, they're just going to keep on growing better and better and better. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think. You, sorry, James, I was just going to say, you got you can pick up this one. I think we touched on Nick Martin, and he obviously gets the 11 million APY. Um, I think a concern with Martin for me in, a, in the previous years before looking to this was he, he kind of played well at the start of the year and can then continue to kind of fade. And if you look from sort of week 13, uh, he gets driven back by Adam Butler against New England. Then week 16, and I mean, this will happen to the best, but uh, Vita Vea drives him back, collapses the pocket, another sack, and he's often had trouble against bigger linemen. And actually, the biggest source of sacks for this Texas team last year was against four-man fronts in man coverage, either one cover one or cover two. And is, is, is that a concern that actually when, partly for Watson to throw into, but then also that if, if we are up against teams that only need to rush four, big physical fronts, is, is that going to be an issue for us again? Or can you see this unit sort of cohesion coming together to overcome that? Because that was their biggest weakness beside personnel at right tackle. Yeah, I think um, just to touch on Sharping and, and Titus before I get into that, I think, uh, you know, I think Max is, I think Max is a star at left guard potentially. Um, you know, when you look at how he handled, um, you know, being inserted, kind of just thrown to the fire last year, he performed at, a, at an extremely high level given, you know, where he was drafted, um, you know, what was his knocks were coming out of the draft. Uh, and uh, he, he, he definitely, um, performed higher than what was expected. And then with Titus, you know, it, it's all going to be based on injury, but we saw so much potential in him. There's, there's no reason for us to think that he won't be better. Um, as far as the four man front and, and being able to, you know, handle that in man coverage, whether it's cover one or cover two, um, I think specifically given the additional weapons added to this team um, and for Deshaun, I think that kind of eliminates, you know, those looks, right. Um, a, a you know a reliable slot wide receiver in Randall Cobb. That means that you can get rid of the ball a little bit quicker. Duke and David out of the backfield. Uh, Cooks and Fuller on the outside. Um, you know, so there. I, I think that they did a good job, uh, really building an offense um, around the weaknesses of the offensive line and giving Deshaun the ability to be able to get rid of the ball quicker. And I think, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but you know, Deshaun is responsible for quite a bit of sacks. Yeah, and I think that that's the, the the key that I would ever stress to anybody looking at this is that you've got to understand the way in which he chooses to operate, trying to find a rusher rush lane or trying to find an open receiver, and he'll scramble around. That's something I think that he's got to be able to to hone. I think that the line is interesting as as the overall talent. I think we're probably in agreement that's definitely jumped forward significantly. Um, you know, and I think Watson to in the regular season alone, and we'll come on to the to the, probably some of the troubles in the postseason, but he took 18 less sacks, 30 less hurries, and 20 less hits in the regular season, albeit playing one game less than he did 
the year prior. But I think that the line's definitely given us some protection, but then we come back to that issue of not being able to keep the same personnel. So if this personnel is, is to be healthy and, and they can all come back and the guys to, to grow together uh, for the first time in probably a decade for this team, I think it's got, got a big chance. But the, the, the second part of this, I think, is key to understand as well, is where Deshaun is in his game, because actually that, you know, the much talked about trade, Hopkins moving on, this this offense is, is built differently, or certainly looks from the outside to be to be built differently. And I think if it's, if it's built on an idea of speed, he's going to have to learn uh, to trust his line. And that, that's that's something that he's going he's gonna to have to do, because I think at times he didn't do that. Because if you take from the sacks alone, uh, of the 55, 13 of them were in two games in the off season. And the biggest thing I took in the first point on Deshaun, that welcome your opinion on is, and actually if you look at his mentality in, in the Baltimore game in week 11, which was a disaster for every single person on the offense, defense and special teams that day, but they were, they were no different. Um, and I think the trouble was sometimes with Deshaun is he gets in his head and he tries to force the issue. And there was long periods of him scrambling around, not recognizing the right looks uh, when it when it's time to run and when it's time to throw it away um, is a struggle. So with the sort of added blanket of that line security, do you see that as something that he can take a step forward with in year four? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely. Okay. Sorry. I'll try to give you guys a chance to talk as I dominate the conversation as usual. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, with Deshaun, I think I think people forget that he's still such a young quarterback and how much growth he's had from Clemson. You know, people picked apart his game in Clemson, talked about his decision-making, his inaccuracy and stuff, and we've seen a lot of growth from his rookie season until now. He's already become such a better quarterback, and he's not going to stop getting better. We know he's a worker. We know he puts in the time to practice on the field and watch film off the field. So just the more that he gets better at reading defenses, reading coverages quicker, throwing with more anticipation, I think that's something that I'm noticing a lot more. And then just really quickly, going back to your point about the sacks coming in, four-man rushes with like man coverage, I think what that kind of speaks to is obviously our inability to for our wide receivers to beat man coverage last year. Um, and I think now with the new weapons that we have, we have better route runners in Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, hopefully Will Fuller can stay healthy. Those three are really good route runners, and they're more explosive with their cuts and better athletes than DeAndre Hopkins honestly was. And so I think that's going to help a lot of those um, those four-man rush sacks that came against cover one and cover two main coverage. And then just I think this whole – the one thing that kind of worries me is getting the whole chemistry and communication aspect going without training camp with all these new weapons. Is Deshaun going to be able to – build that chemistry very quickly before the season starts. So I think we could see the offense take maybe a bit of a slow start as everyone gets accustomed to it. But then as the season goes on, I really think it's going to take off and we're going to have a top three offense in the league. I really do believe that. You know, I, I believe that too. If this offensive line just manages to stay healthy and, and just manages to get better, Watson will only get better. I've said it before, you know, Watson is, is about to enter the prime of his career and play the best football he's ever played. And if he trusts that offensive line, then this offense will be dangerous. And, and you know, that's why I think somebody who's huge is Randall Cobb because, you know, you guys touched on on the speed we have and how and how uh, Watson will have to trust, you know, those speedsters. And if he gets in, you know, in a pinch, what better than to have a very good slot wide receiver and Randall Cobb, you know, 
Last year, Cobb, first year in the slot for Dallas, had over 900 yards and, you know, five touchdowns. Randall Cobb will be huge for the Houston Texans offense. And, you know, this offense has all the potential in the world to be just just dynamic with the with the amount of talent we have with the wide receivers. It's just a matter of health for this Houston Texan offense. It's not a matter of talent. You know, if if, if the wide receivers could stay healthy, if this offensive line could stay healthy, this offense will be deadly, and it's going to be very hard to stop. I think the big thing for me as well was when I – when I started this, you know, I very much thought, yeah, okay, the line needs to play together. And that has an element, and that has an element of benefit to the offense. But actually, last season, Watson, apart from Lamar Jackson, had this, the second most time to throw of any QB, just under three seconds. And actually, he throws, when he took over three seconds to release the ball, his quarterback rating drops below 80. So... Based on that, and I think the, the big thing, and we talked about his development from, from Clemson and, and the, some of the improvements that he's made, I think a big thing, and probably touches on that Randall Cobb point, and perhaps, you know, maybe more time with the tight ends, but a lot of these sacks, actually 20 in total, um, were where Watson could have released the ball. And um, and it, it, it felt like looking at the tape, um, regardless of the receiver, regardless of the situation, there was some issues there with quick releases um, because he would he would then often if he didn't get the right first read that 68 percent of his throws all went on his first read and that's a bit league average but actually when he when he didn't find that first read if he came off his second read he was either either unwilling to release the ball quickly into short and intermediate throws and actually what, what i was shot with it is his, his accuracy between zero and nine yards is 25th in the league. Um, so there definitely seems to be a hesitancy there. And a big part of that, actually, watching from the tape, I thought, was his footwork and his fundamentals. If he, if there was some pressure or he felt pressure, his footwork would go and he wouldn't take the short throws and then he would either run. Um, and, he, and, he had, and he had 20 failed scrambles, as, we, as, I, as I recorded it, as where he would just bail out the pocket rather than trying to let the play develop. So in terms of those fundamentals and letting the game progress in front of his reads, do we see that? Thanks for that, yeah. Hopkins. Yeah, so I think um, there's so much to unpack right there. Um, you know, his mechanics and his the fundamentals of playing the quarterback position, you know, tend to go all out the window when he feels pressure. If you actually watch, and I'm sure you noticed this, but if you watch, he always kind of floats to the left or to the right instead of climbing up in the pocket um, and, and get buying himself more time. Uh, you know, the great thing about Deshaun when he does scramble is he's always keeping his eyes downfield and he's trying to make a play with the ball, not his legs. And then if he can't, he'll use his legs. But I think without Hopkins, actually, this will be more of a dynamic uh, look from the offense. And I think Deshaun will be able to go through his pre- progressions a little bit quicker. Um, you've wa- I've watched every snap, but, I, you know, I was watching different parts of it. While you were watching the offensive line, I was watching players that were open. And there were so many times where Jordan Akins would be open. Will Fuller would be open. Even Hop would be open. Um, and he just never saw him. So, you know, I think this offseason is about him going through his progressions a little bit quicker, being able to just kind of understand that, one, he's got to trust his offensive line. And I think that just comes with time. You know, the year prior, he took, I think it was 54 sacks and 104 quarterback hits. That's got to be hard for, you know, a, soft, a sophomore quarterback in his second year. Uh, especially after, you know, when you're coming off of an injury. 
and then when it's fully revamped, you really just don't understand or know the the players and the personnel and what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. Um, and so the continuity on the offensive line isn't just for the offensive line, but also for Deshaun Watson. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to keep Fulton in the line um, is that he needs to be able to understand, uh, you know, who he's working with up front. Um, and, you know, when you look at the weapons that we have, and like Jordan said, really the route running, the route running is just such a big piece. While, while DeAndre Hopkins was a great wide receiver, he wasn't the most polished route runner. Uh, a lot of what he did was just being able to make contested catches, whether it be on outs and towards the, uh, you know, the, um, the, the boundary or, um, you know, it was a lot of slants. So those slants are going to be taken care of by Randall Cobb. Um, and he's shown his ability in his ent- uh, over his career to be able to, you know, get open in the middle of the field. That's Deshaun's biggest strength is really the middle of the field. And then also the deep balls. So now you're adding Kenny or uh, Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. So, um, you know, it's going to take time to see him do this. Uh, and I, I do think that what we've seen from him as far as his development is him getting back to it. Uh, he's got to continue to work on his mechanics and his foundation and the fundamentals of playing quarterback. He has to understand that he can climb the pocket and doesn't need to step to the side because when he does that, it puts more pressure on the line. Um, but, you know, a lot of the NFL and what they're doing, especially with these athletic quarterbacks, is that they're they're trying to get, you know, they're trying to push the pocket from the interior instead of from the outside. Because from the outside, quarterbacks like Deshaun, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes are able to kind of keep plays alive. But if you're able to crash the pocket and there's nowhere else for him to step up to and make the throws, that's where he, quarterbacks like Deshaun are impacted. So he's going to have to learn and get better at it. But the, I think the biggest thing is he's just going to have to learn to go through his progressions just a little bit quicker. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing on tape. And Jordan, I don't know what you think of that, but I think the the stepping up into the pocket and being more fluid to keep his eyes downfield um, was an issue because there was actually six plays this year where there was multiple guys wide open. Um, and you touched on it earlier in terms of some of his some of his uh, development points. But one thing was a big criticism of the show was his arm strength, and actually sometimes that showed up on tape, particularly with with uh, with outs. Um, and guys sitting, you know, sitting down on their, um, sitting down right on the perimeter, and he just didn't look their way. And I don't know if that's his comfort, if he's not comfortable with that, with making that throw, um, or or it was just down to his footwork and actually being not not sticking to his fundamentals. Yeah. Um. To be completely honest with you, I haven't focused a lot on his arm strength, but in terms of reading defenses, one thing that I noticed is that. Um, he doesn't. He will when he throws to someone. They have to be pretty much wide open. He doesn't make a lot of tight window throws. He'll do it occasionally. Don't get me wrong, but it's more of he'll wait for someone to get open rather than anticipating a window and when they're gonna come open. And I think a big part of this whole reading the defense and getting better as a cohesive unit on the offense it comes from practice. And I believe it was Lance Zerline who he had a clip he posted a while ago talking about how the Texans they don't practice. Their offense doesn't practice together. Hopkins never practices. Fuller's always injured, so he can't practice. And so it was really just Deshaun practicing with Kenny Stills, DeAndre Carter, and like that that's not your first team offense. So it's hard to get in a good rhythm and know when people are gonna get open. Route timing is a big part of Bill O'Brien's offense and also are the option routes that are built into it. So if the quarterback and the wide receivers aren't seeing the same thing, the offense isn't gonna work. And that's only gonna come with more practice and more reps. And so now, hopefully, with Brandon Cooks, with, um, oh my gosh, blanking, Randall Cobb, hopefully they're going to have more time to practice together, 
throughout the season and build that chemistry. And I think that'll go a long way for Deshaun Watson and making his reads. You know, and just piggyback off of uh, off of Jason, you know, as well. I feel like, you know, at first it all comes down to, you know, the offensive line just getting better because the offensive line is the foundation for the offense. And, you know, he's used to taking a lot of hits. He's used to taking a lot of uh, a lot of sacks. So that's why, you know, maybe we see that, um, you know, he gets uh, fragile and uh, hesitant in the pocket. And once that offensive line, uh, you know, gets better, we, we will see just Deshaun Watson get better on his progressions and everything, you know, with the whole Hopkins thing. Um, I said it and uh, James said it as well that, you know, when losing a, a very good wide receiver like Hopkins, it now forces, you know, Deshaun Watson to be a better quarterback. It's not going to force him to go, ev- you know, to look at everything and find the right play. Um, you know, I'm just uh, I'm just excited. You know, we, we, we haven't seen an offense, you know, with so much potential. And it just it, it all comes down to health, you know, like uh, – like what Jordan said, you know, when, when he talked about the Houston Texans not practicing. And if we just stay healthy, then his offense is all systems go. And I think what one thing is, is apparent as well, I think when, besides for the footwork, is letting plays develop. And I think without the 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 offseason to, to try and work, work some of that out, I think particularly um, in zone looks where linebackers are dropping, into covers, there was a number of plays and a number of plays actually with with Kiki as well. Um, and I think a lot of these issues are as a result of not having consistency at slot receiver um, in terms of his receiving positions, but letting plays develop and having the conviction to stand there and and uh, and, and let it develop against zone, I think was was a bit of a challenge for him. Um, so hopefully, with you know, with, with particularly somebody like. Uh, Randall Cobb, who can come in across the middle and be a bit more savvy about his route running, because you know people talk about Kiki being the doghouse, and one of the sacks on uh, in in week 11, it was clear as day Kiki's running the wrong route, and he's basically looks like he's trailing Hopkins, um, and he's and he, he's picked up his assignment wrong. So I think you know there wasn't too much of that actually in terms of the receivers, but if the speed and the and a bit more uh, veteran presence in that room can can be a bit more aware, I think that's going to to pick, you know, it's going to have a pick up and play. I think there's one thing that Deshaun's always had and, um, and he continues to have um, is setting the line. And I think James touched on it earlier, is setting the protections and setting the hot routes. And I think that that ultimately falls on him. And now that may well be easier with with some of the guys that we've got in and, and beyond. You know, it's not less of a reliance on one man and hoping another man stays healthy um, at receiver. Uh, but as well as the tight ends as well. And you hope we see, we see an uptake in them because... They definitely, I think, didn't necessarily always play their part in the receiving game as much as they should have. Um, but I think in terms of setting the protections at the line, I think this season gone, there was 16 sacks where a, where a rusher got into the backfield um, and eight of them were attributed directly to to Watson. It seemed like he had had improved on that, particularly with, with uh, nickel and dime blitzes um, packages and bringing an extra blitzer. But is that something you think he can, he can take a step step forward and again because it's something it feels like watching that tape that it hasn't necessarily improved as it perhaps should have um okay so i'll go here um <clears throat> i think that for for deshaun he has so much on his plate and i do agree that he can get better at um setting protection shifting them the right way i think with him like a lot of offenses make let the center make the call 
but with us, we like the we let Deshaun do it. He just has so much on his plate that as a young quarterback, it's hard for him to to master all these things. But it's something that's only going to get better with time. Mastering Bill O'Brien's schemes and their protection call, you know, we know that he has a complicated offense, and we and I think that just it's just going to take more time to for him to, to master. And personally, I think that he did make progress with it. Um, I'm rewatching his. His rookie season, 2017, his 2018 season as well, just to kind of see the growth that Deshaun's won through. And if you look at the the first game he played against the Browns, where that's when the whole nickel blitz started, and James and I have talked, James and I have talked about this a lot. Um, that's when their defensive coordinator they just they sent nickel blitzes all damn day long, and it got to him, it messed him up, it messed up his timing, his reads, everything. And so ever since that game, defenses have just been spamming that. And it's been killing him. But I've been seeing that this past season in particular, he has made some more growth with it. There are some bad times where he, he'll miss some some blitz pickups. Like, if you look at the that game-winning Bills play, like, they had two, I think, free runners coming in at him. And they, that couldn't get picked up. So it, it happens occasionally. But I do think it'll get better with more practice, more timing, and more experience and, and more film watching of NFL defenses. It's wonder when actually it does change because there is there's a couple of plays. Um, there's one in week four um, against Jacksonville. It's, a lot of these kind of issues tend to be against divisional opponents as well, and I think that sometimes that's why it, it, it comes a bit of a concern because there's one there's one against uh, um, in week two against Jacksonville where Fells is a clear hot route and he just doesn't even look his way. And there's two there's two rushers on Rod Johnson. Um, there's another one against the Colts, right up and backed up against their own end zone. Doesn't set the protection right. We're sitting in 20 personnel, um, and the running back then takes the takes the inside blitzer when it's clear that the 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 uh, the corners blitzing from the outside. So I think for me it's still quite a big concern because it doesn't it, it it's less so the picking up the blitzes for me, but actually I don't know what you think, guys. But it's it's finding the hot routes and getting the guy signaled to cut off his route. Or, or take the option um, in in the short in the shorter intermediate game um, to actually to actually take away that threat because if the ball comes out quick, a lot of this stuff becomes academic. Yeah, I'm completely with you on that. I think the hot routes part of that is on Deshaun making the call, and then also just the wide receiver recognizing it too. I saw a lot of plays where the wide receiver just wouldn't even recognize it, and with their offense, how they've built it with these all these option routes like. Yes, Deshaun has to make a call, but even if he doesn't make the call, the wide receiver has to has to see the defense and read the defense as well and be able to know what's coming. So if they see their lineup, so say like um, Kiki QT's lineup in the slot, and if he sees that his nickel cornerback is blitzing, he's got to turn around right away and read that and be open for Deshaun. So I think it, it goes both ways. It goes back and forth for sure, but Deshaun can get better at that. I'll agree. Yeah, and I think really, and it's funny because Jordan and I were literally just talking about this the other day, and I, I sent him um, the specific system that is ran, um, and it's a complicated system. And I think one of the things that people should start to consider and, and understanding is the fact that we added high IQ football players to this offense you know brandon cooks is a high iq wide receiver randall cobb is a high iq wide receiver um david johnson is a high iq running back so it's going to be very important for them to understand and be able to read defenses and understand exactly what deshaun sees because they basically have to see it through deshaun's eyes even though they're not deshaun they're lined up outside or they're lined up in the backfield um, but that's what this offense is built around. And that's why they're able to, you know, in the Patriots game, line up in the exact same formation and, and run the same play over again. 
they, they can do that, but they can also do it when the same formation run a different play. And that's really where this, the strengths of this offense are. Now, I don't know with Tim Kelly calling plays if we're going to see that same exact offense or if we're going to see something different. It sounds like we'll see something different. It'll probably still be the baseline of, of what the offensive scheme is. But, um, yeah, I mean, everybody has to be on the same page. And so while Deshaun at times looks as if he is not on the same page, a lot of it also has to do with the fact that the wide receivers aren't on the same page. And just to piggyback off James, you know, he really just beat me to it. Um, that's why uh, I feel very good about the receivers that we have because we have receivers who've been through it. You know, uh, Randall Cobb being in the league for six, seven plus years. Brandon Cook's been in the league for four or five plus years, been in big games, deep playoff runs. You know, they're only going to help uh, Deshaun Watson get better, you know. And and uh, yes, yes, it did suck to, to uh, lose Hopkins, but adding very high IQ players, uh, players who have, have been successful and know what's going to happen, know, know what defenses will do and play with great quarterbacks. Uh, um, you know, uh, Cobb has said that, you know, he, he's looked at the Watson and be like, man, that's kind of like Aaron Rodgers, how he plays. You know, those guys together will only make Deshaun Watson much, much better. I think just to try and wrap us up, guys, two kind of questions that I kind of came out is it's more, more kind of football and philosophy than anything else. But I think one thing is, is Deshaun's kind of mindset is it's um, does he have a complex of doing too much? Now, he, he only threw the ball away 15 times last season. Uh, but he, again, he was in the top two of game-winning drives. So there's a payoff to his kind of like, he takes a bit of a cavalier approach at times with his own body and his own health and sometimes the ball and ball security. Is there a, is, is there a happy medium that he can find to, to hone that ability or, 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 or do we just need to let him roam free and, and, and take the bad with the good because the good will hopefully outweigh? Because I, I think the, the biggest reflection I took was if he can play more within the system and just rely on that ability when it when it's kind of got to have it third and fourth down plays, then this offense will be in a better place. Or do we just, is the heated type of player, we just got to take the good with the bad? I think I think he's definitely a type of guy where that's his game. That's how he's always been. He's a bit more of a gunslinger. He wants the big play all the time. If he can get it, awesome. And yeah, that's going to result in some sacks, some abilities to not move the chains on third down if someone's opening underneath. But like you said perfectly, like, I think it is something that we're just going to have to live with because the good does outweigh the bad. The highlight plays where he just stands tall in the pocket, runs through two sacks, two potential sacks, and then dumps it off like later like against the Bills that play. Like we're just gonna have to live with it, and the highlight plays will come, and it will, we will be better for it for sure. But I also do, I think one thing that could change that is he has a tendency to hold the ball, like we said, and looking for. I think a big part of it is looking and waiting for DeAndre Hopkins to come open, and I, I don't know if this 100%, but I have a good feeling that Hopkins is telling him in the huddle or whenever it may be, like, hey man, just just wait for me, like I'm gonna get open, like you can trust me, like I'm gonna get open, just wait, just hold on to the ball a little bit longer. And so without that aspect of it and just trusting the more weapons that he has and, like you said, playing within the system, um, I think it's something that could happen for sure. But we're, it's not going to be a drastic change like night and day like we see um, some a completely drastic change for me. I think it's still going to – it'll be a bit better, but it'll that's still always be his nature. See, for me, I think – and I differ from Jordan on this. I, I think that, well, it's great to have – the, the highlight plays and things of that nature. I'd look for more efficiency from Deshaun. I want to see him evolve and grow. 
that's always going to be a part of his game, but I just don't want it to be the main focal point of his game. I really want him to, to develop. I want him to trust the offensive line. I want him to feel comfortable going through his reads and his progressions, taking the check down um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think that the efficiency of the offense will be a lot better, but two, I think just long-term health and what he needs to stay in this league and stay a starting caliber, you know, all pro quarterback, he's going to have to really become more of a pocket passer and understanding that if it's not there, throw it away uh, or, or, you know, or take the check down because if not, all he's doing is putting more wear and tear on his body and he's taking unnecessary hits. And if we want to have a franchise quarterback for the next 10 years, he's going to have to understand that that can't be something he relies on. And the team will benefit when he takes that step and understands that I can't hit the home run every time I'm going to have to hit singles and occasionally hit doubles for this team to stay on the field, specifically on the offense. So um, I, I do think that that's part of his game. I just hope that he starts to explore other avenues and is able to really build on his game. Because yeah, I think that's the thing for me, and James, it's, it's the longevity because it's taken the entire existence of his franchise before 2017 to find somebody who you think we've got a chance to win games with. Um, and, and putting himself in harm consistently. Like I've got no no problem with jump, you know, diving for the pylon or going for a third down, or if you think of the touchdown he scored in week one against the Saints, great. But then if you think of the year before against the Cowboys, but he tried to run the ball on himself and broke a rib, and he probably that was probably on his third or his fourth lick he took from one of the from from one of the linebackers. So I think for, for me he's got he's got to find a happy medium um, because he's he needs to understand. Um, when 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 is goal time and when it's not and I, I put a, a play it was a perfect example of that where he, he took a sack in the playoff game but actually it was just he didn't quite t- take his time to read the field it was it, it it was man coverage cover two the perfect the perfect loop for a quarterback to run against right up the middle and take and take the, the hole to take the hole in the in the coverage um underneath um and he, he didn't take it and and I think a lot of the the, the issues I think for me was that that a lot of these these sacks that he took um, weren't on weren't on third down, and he didn't need to make that play. And checkdowns were available, so I think that that's that's a big point. And I think it, some of this conversation as well is a bit academic as well. And Ruben, what do you think on this? Of of the of the we've talked about the personnel changing, and when you've got a franchise quarterback, do you think then at that point his ability to run the scheme can outweigh the personnel? You know, I just think that, um, you know, as he and, you know, the boys have talked about is as he gets, you know, more, more consistent with this offense, I feel like he will try to be a better quarterback and take the check downs. You know, I feel like right now, you know, at this stage, he just, um, you know, he wants to be the savior for Houston. He He's going to want to, you know, put his body on the line and try to make that home run ball. I feel like once this, you know, whole offense um, clicks and gets better, we will see a better uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, I kind of agree with Jordan, you know, talking about how, uh, you know, with, with the playmaking ability that Deshaun Watson has, we will have to live with it. You know, we've seen, you know, inst- instances where he takes a sack and we're wondering, dude, like, what are you doing? And then five plays later, he makes his amazing play. And we're like, well, you know, that's why he he's, he's, he's not afraid to take those licks. You know, that's why he's putting the team on his back to make, um, you know, to make this team win. And, you know, with the additions of these great players, you know, the wide receivers and, and uh, David Johnson, they will take the load off his back because they are 
playmakers in itself. We, you know, we've seen a uh, Randall Cobb, you know, just do great things in Green Bay. We've seen a uh, Brandon Cooks just absolutely fly and uh, make plays. So, you know, with these weapons that he has now, it takes a lot of the ease off Deshaun Watson, and um, you know, hopefully he he uh, realizes that and 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 becomes a more safe quarterback. Yeah, I think just to kind of to kind of tidy up there, I think in, in terms of some of the good points you touched upon, and I think the 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 probably my criticism of of that cavalier approach, and James will let you fin- James or Jordan will let you finish this one out, but in terms of the, I would argue we don't need some of those big plays if we stay on the field longer and we and we bleed the clock and we take and and we tire out defenses. And we don't, and we're not, we're not desperately searching for points. We're playing with a lead because we're more methodical, and that's why I think this year, I think, gives us hope, and albeit it's unknown, that actually potentially for the first time, on an offense point of view, your quarterback aside, that actually could we be in a position that the scheme outweighs the personnel when we're just thinking, look for Hopkins, was effectively the offense 30, 30 odd percent of the time in terms of passing targets. Yeah, I think with with what I'd like to see. Um, I think more aligns with that vision. Uh, the methodical approach, keeping the offense on the field, not going for the home run every time. Um, I, I think it, it does a, you know, a number of things, tires out the defense, extends the drives. Um, and then when you just look at the, the NFL as a whole, you know, the, yeah, the Chiefs won it last year with their high-octane offense. But when you really look at it and you look at the stability of NFL offenses, those home run offenses tend to be more of a one trick pony, you know, they're, they're kind of one hit wonders, not saying that that'll happen with the chiefs because there's so much talent, but I think when you look at the more methodical approach, you're looking at more consistent results from an offense. Um, and, and you start to see more success in the playoffs and things of that nature. Um, when you are that heavy home run hitting offense, when a defense figures it out, you have, you have to be able to adapt and, and navigate through that. And, I think that's the hard part. So while it's fun to watch, it's fun football, it's high scoring, I'd rather go with the methodical, consistent approach on offense to be able to really build upon that and continue to add wrinkles to the offense where there will be the occasional home run play and there will be the you know the 90-yard TD from Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks. But I just I want to see consistency. And I think for us to see consistency, you're going to have to take the, you know, what is a cut by a thousand swords approach because that's what it's going to lead to. And I think that's what we'll start to see. And I, I think that's why the pieces are here now. I think personally, I get where you guys are coming from. And theoretically it is a, it's a sound offensive um, concept or theory. And it, another thing it helps is to keep the defense off the field as much as possible, keeping them well rested. If we can, kind of run this ball control offense. That would be great for the defense as well. Um, but in just in my opinion, I think we don't want Watson, we don't want to push Watson to be someone who he's not. And I'm all for progression in, in that sense. But if this is his nature and this is who he is as a quarterback, we don't want to stray him away from that because it is still a successful way to run a football team. And we give Bill O'Brien flack for, for forcing Deshaun Watson to to fit his system, forcing him as like a red, what is it? A square peg into a round hole, whatever. And we think that he's trying to turn Watson into Brady. And so we give him a lot of flack for that. So if we're, and I'm not saying that's what you guys are want him to be, but mm-hmm. I think that we just gotta, we gotta stick to Watson's strengths 
as a quarterback and let him play the game that he wants to play. Yeah, I think if you look at this offense and the games that I watched the least, um, and I think that tells you because this was based around sacks, right? But the two games I watched the least were week five at home at Atlanta, put up 50 points, 52. And uh, and then week six at Kansas City. These are two games I watched live and I watched them back a number of times when I was there. And so I knew those games inside out, but they had probably many things in common, but zero sacks, very limited pressures, the best the offense have played. Watson looked comfortable in the pocket and spread the ball around. And when he plays like that, if we could find that level of of play from the team, um, and even if you think of the, the weeks prior, um, put week four aside, but week three in, in LA, again, it was a great performance in the second half. So if this team can find ways to start early and have that, you know, and it's and it sounds like it sounds oversimplistic and probably um, not feasible to have that, you know, the best of everything. But if you look at the, those sort of three or four game stretches prior to injuries and in, in the late season issues at right tackle, etc., Pat Mahomes was only on the field for seven minutes in the second half in the game we, we went to Arrowhead and won. Um, and I think sometimes that's a formula, but I think the beauty of with Watson is we've got options to play different ways um, and whatever this team might look like this season I think we've definitely got you know a lot a lot a lot to build on from last season and a lot to be positive about so um, Ruben from the 713 Sportscast and James and Jordan um, from Texas Unfiltered thank you very much for your time guys um, if anyone's not read the Sax Tracks uh, tape reviews um, and articles next the next part about the scheme will be out next week please do it at podcasttexas.com but guys, thanks very much for your time and, and joining the Talk Some Texans in this uh, long old off season. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Thank you so much.